All right, Coach, this is the second week that you have showed up to the podcast looking dapper. Mm. Then you have me. Say that again. <laughs> and then you have me. Oh, so I'm like T-shirt. Well, I see somebody that's looking dapper there. You know, she got on a t-shirt. She got on her shades. You know, I'm into and organized time, Coach. It's one of my there t-shirts. You, there you go. There you go. <laughs> you know, the more comfortable, the better. I say. Absolutely, but me and you, we can both say that we are not wearing pajama bottoms. Uh, we definitely have you know, normal clothes on, even though you can't see it in the video. Um, Okay. So coach, I am going to introduce myself with my mission statement that I've been doing and I've been kind of going back and forth on mission statements um, for a while, but I found one that I absolutely love. You ready? I'm ready. All right. So my name is Sherry Wilson, owner of Genius Al Limited Company, and my purpose is to make everyone's life and business better with a lot of joy sprinkled in. Bam. Oh, that sounds good. Now, do I get to copy that or? Absolutely, coach. You take whatever. (laughs) Let's see here. Greg McNeil, uh, doctoral candidate, um, uh, licensed clinician and life coach. Um, Let's see. What else? I'm going to say, remember what Sherry said, because ultimately with all of the different things that we do, the mission is a simple one, you know, to help and support all those whom I come into contact with to help them to achieve um, their highest goals in life. Yeah. That's what we do. And we laugh while we're doing. It. We do. <laughs> Leave them better uh, is That's my exactly. goal. Not saying there's That's any what... deficiency or lack in who you are as a person, but there's definitely things that we like to attack that might be limiting you, huh, Coach? That's exactly right. I mean, there's no such thing as um, no change, right? Mm-hmm. You know, like as long as you're living, you should be growing, yep. right? And if anybody thinks they're done, up, oh, you might need to call us. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, you're That's probably funny. stuck. That's funny. That's true. Yeah. Um, okay. So, Coach, I kind of gave you a little bit of the background <clears throat> in um, our pre-show combo. And I actually want to dive into the area of um, a lifestyle of forgiveness. You might have a, a different phrase, words, et cetera, which is fine. But that is going to be tied to culture. And um, so there's an, you know, a situation with an organization that I'm involved in that I saw some things that I had not seen before. Now, With that being said, one thing people need to understand about me and probably need to understand about coach is that we may, we are extremely observant and intuitive or discerning on underlying things. So we're not going to voice, oh, I see this dysfunction. I see that dysfunction. When you meet us, unless you've irritated us or made us angry. And even then we're going to use caution unless we have to, you know, kind of bring it a little bit hard. But when, when you see us, we're going to smile, we're going to shake your hand. We're going to bring joy. We're going to bring seriousness to the, the work product, right? Project, etc. But that doesn't mean we're oblivious to what's going on. And I think I could probably say for both of us, coach, we can read a room very well. <laughs> 
<laughs> and um, so in the organization I work with, I'm not oblivious to the dysfunction. I, I definitely see the personality limitations and constraints that are showing up. I definitely see the strengths that bring positive, you know, uh, things to the organization. And the people I work with are the hardest working, greatest people I know. Um, one of them who happens to be my client, uh, she's a D like me and Mm -hmm. she's a a creative, I mean, just amazing at what she does. Mm -hmm. The way I describe her is wherever she goes, she leaves beauty. So she's an interior Mm -hmm. designer. She takes houses and projects and makes them beautiful. And I love that. And so to me, it's an honor to work with her. And so she is in charge of the, um, design aspect of this situation. And I had people coming at me from different, different, at different times and in different situations, voicing concern over the drama. Now, what I love about the people I work with is they typically will not give names. They don't go into gossip. They're Mm -hmm. just like, you know, this is concerning. And so Mm -hmm. yesterday when I was helping my, um, my friend of beauty, I guess you would say, you know, she, I said, Hey, I'm, I'm hearing about these things. You know, how can I help? What's going on? Uh, what do you think it is? And, you know, and so she shared her heart and she, Mm -hmm. um, like a D, uh, and like people should do is she took her concerns to the one that the concerns need to be taken to. And she was gracious, but she was also very strong in her communication. And, um, so hopefully it ended it. But when I was there working, Um, and, and what I loved about the conversation is she said, you know, it was a person that it seemed like people were saying was causing the problems, but I, I know it wasn't. And, and I like that because a lot of times what will happen is people will believe what others tell them without investigating. And, Mm. and so it requires you to know the people you're working with, which means, you know, the good, the bad, and the ugly. So you know that, okay, Mm. it could be this. Um, but at the same time, you don't just take what people are telling you, uh, you have to investigate, especially if you value the relationships and then actually get to the root of the problem. So Mm -hmm. I show up, I'm here to help. I'm, I tend to be OCD when it comes to arrangements and things like, you know, design, et cetera. So I was a perfect person to go and, you know, Mm -hmm. start getting things at that high level of excellence. And there was an individual there that I've already kind of picked up likes to be in charge. And, you know, she's talking to me about something and I move over to a table to adjust something and she gives me a look and she stops talking. And I said, I can, I'm, I'm listening. And I could see how me walking away a little bit would be disconcerting maybe to some, but I was also shaking my head as I walked over there. And, um, And so sure enough, I believe that is the root problem. And, um, and it's just, you know, you've got two types of disruptive culture. You've got the, the, the disruptive that leads to negative feelings, broken relationships, lack of productivity and lack of joy. And then you have disruptive culture that recognizes specific changes must be put in place in order to increase productivity, increase joy, increase beneficial relationships, etc. So typically, I find there's usually one person who is an outlier. They're not part of the core. 
and they come in with their agenda and their unrefined personality and they start causing problems. And if people are not wise, they will get carried away with that. And then the people that they actually love and work with all the time suffer because they're the ones blamed or attacked. So on culture first versus the forgiveness part, we'll get to that. But on the culture first, I'd love to hear your thoughts on the situation, but also how to create culture that number one, recognizes true, dare I say, culprits that are disrupting in a negative way and how to build a culture that weeds out negative disruption and embraces positive disruption. I know that's big coach, but I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. So when I think about creating a culture, um, starting with the individual, right? Because the individual um, at at the micro, at the smallest level, Right, the individual uh, is also an element of culture, right? And then we kind of like you and I meet. We have a shared vision. We create a culture. Then we spread that out. We bring someone else in, and then it keeps grow growing. I believe that the vision is the first first place aside from the individual, right? So if I'm talking about let's say like a group, a committee, the first question is, what is it, right? What is the shared vision, right? What do, you know, like, what do we have in common? What do we all want? So when I think about working through an organization, then I'm, I'm probably on some kind of chart. I'm probably listing some things, but I really want to get to a point where I can see where there are different th- difference, differences in opinion in terms of a shared vision, right? Yes. Because once you start seeing the differences of opinion in that shared vision, then you can actually see how your culture is going to be shaped as well, too. Right? If you look at the word division, it's two visions, and they're conflicting. Mm. Mm. So what you're saying is perfect, Coach, because it's like you got – one individual whose vision is their own. Mm-hmm. But then you have the other group where their vision is celebrating a person and making it spectacular. And so when you've got agendas that are not in line with the, the, the shared vision of the group, that's where you start getting division. Is that an accurate statement? Yeah, it is, because you can see it now. And I think sometimes in in that case, I think it's actually better to put it up so they can actually see it, sort of like writing on a piece of paper, right? Yeah. So you put that on the board and it's like, okay, let's let's see where we're at in this in this in this shared vision that we actually have and how we're looking at it. And then you get to see where different people are and then you get to see their personality, right? Because that's the other thing too, right? It's like here's the shared vision, not so much. And then you start to get the personalities that's that arise. And for the leader that's conducting that meeting, right? And it's like, okay, so this is what I'm doing. I'm building this team. They brought me into this organization to kind of like increase productivity, morale, and all of these other things. Right. Well, 
the first thing I need to have an idea is who are those people? And so finding out whether or not it's a shared vision and how they approach the shared vision is one of the ways we get a chance to hear how, how people think, how they approach things, where there may be some conflict. And then we kind of like go from there. That's the first step for me, right? Let's find out what we actually share together. Who's going to all be engaged in what we're trying to do? Let's say in this organization, in this committee, who's really engaged in trying to make this happen? And I think we have to be able to make sure that that part is really clear because really good organizations, they surface the, what I want to call that culture, that iceberg culture, right? Yeah. That which is below the surface that nobody is really seeing, but is constantly creating disruptions over time when you want to make change. When we say, well, what's going on here? Why does this keep happening? That's telling you that something is below the surface that's not really being dealt with and it's affecting the shared vision of the committee, the yeah. group, the organization, company. Okay. And, you know, uh, as you're talking, Coach, I'm thinking it's not an absence of shared ideas. People can bring those things to the table. What it is is... I would say a conflict of agendas. Normally exactly. the person that's causing the problems is someone that has an agenda that furthers themselves or they have an agenda based on what they perceive as their expertise. And so it creates, um, a, you know, bullying, if you will, of trying to get their agenda done and there's no respect for the one that was actually put in that leadership position. So respect is always important, but it's, I, I would say the disruptive in a negative way are agendas that people bring based out of ego, but sharing and creating uh, from ideas that is different. Everyone should be able to say, you know, hey, this works or that doesn't work. And what was interesting is after everyone left and it was just me and this person and one other person that we absolutely adore, we were mm -hmm. now, everybody was gone. So, and they all brought great things, but we were mm -hmm. able to then go over everything with a fine tooth comb. And so then what would happen is, hey, you know what I see? I see that this right here looks a little bit cluttered or this looks a little bit whatever. Mm -hmm. And because we were sharing ideas and we trusted each other, we were able to just go in and handle business. But what was interesting is my position is, hey, I see this. What do you think? Because I'm working with the leader. I'm not the one that's in charge. So I'm going to give my input uh, but what was funny, Coach, is my deed did come out because the one that we adore, um, she said, what about this? And put something down. I'm like, uh, yeah, no, that ain't going to work. <laughs> but because she's free of ego, she didn't take that personally. She just said, I love it. She said, have you heard of the cats and the dog personalities? And I said, no. And she said, well, look it up because I'm a dog. I'm a golden or no, I'm a terrier. So I will let you beat me until at a certain point I get mad. Now I'm going to bark and bite you. And she said, you're a Persian cat, a hundred percent. I was like, okay, I don't know what that means. But that showed that she understood people. And well, that's important for culture, right? 
It is. And this is what I'm saying. It's like, so sharing and having a shared vision are not the same things, right? Yeah. So the the shared vision is what you're talking about when you sit down and you start going through things and then you find out, okay, what actually is going to work? Because that's what we do. We bring in all those ideas. And when we start talking about the vision, the, the vision that we have that's shared to improve, in this case, the community, um, not all ideas hit the same way. They have different weights. Some of them are more able to be engaged now, where some of them not so soon. They may have to be on the back burner. But in a shared vision, we recognize it's like, you know what, I have a good idea, but you know what, when I put my idea out there and they listen, they said, that's a great idea, but we actually see that idea coming at a later time. That's not a rejection of an idea. Yeah. It just means that this vision, it doesn't work in this space. Well, if I understand that, just like the person that you just mentioned, who talked about the cat and dog personalities, right? Mm -hmm. Well, in that case, it's like, I understand people. I understand where I'm at. I do have something to say. I agree. It's probably it doesn't fit here. So let me continue in the shared vision because I do actually have something of value, but its place is not here yet. Yeah. So let me go. Let me go in what we're doing because now we, as we dig deeper in the shared vision, we're finding out that's what's going to work for us right now. Right. Yeah. When when there's an individual in the group that's not willing to do that. Now, this is when we get into the ego. Yeah. Right. Because in the same example, that vision that they offered, while it may sound great, doesn't work in this spot. Yeah. But because they're not interested in the shared vision, so they want to persist in making their vision um, a priority when it doesn't fit. Yeah. Now that's when you start to recognize it's like, wait a minute, we're, we're not in harmony here, right? Yeah. You had a voice, we're in this together, but you're trying to push something right now that doesn't actually fit. So once that happens, guess what? Not only are you disrupting a culture that is, we're trying to build, but you're also demonstrating that you have something in your personality that makes it different to have what we call reciprocity in this moment, right? We're not sharing equally in this moment. You're just trying to come in and say, this is what you want to do. And so those things have to be seen, right? They yeah. have to be seen and recognized. And when you do, it's like, what's the next step? I like that coach. So, and by the way, she voiced her agenda. I'm not sure if anybody heard by sharing her uh, frustrations. And I'm like, wow, that's all ego. That's all, that's a hundred percent. And, and when you hear that, um, you don't want to use that data to try to appease that person. They're never appeased. Mm -hmm. You use it to encourage your team to stay true to the vision. So when you go back to the iceberg, mm -hmm. so when you keep encountering certain things, certain dysfunctional behaviors and choices, et cetera. Um, the iceberg effect of the underlying things that have been growing, so they're not being dealt with. Um, so what's on the surface is very small compared to what's going on below the surface. And I'm going to say 
uh, coach and correct me if I am, you know, wrong, but it always starts with the leader. You cannot get past the leader. Uh, they set the tone and any lack of emotional intelligence, ego centered thinking, et cetera, Mm -hmm. is going to set the tone. It's going to set the stage. And it's the responsibility of the leader not to keep deflecting and blaming their staff, but to look at their internal world because it's always reflected in the external. And people just, they don't like doing it because they don't like the pain, which we talked about. That's where the gold is. Mm -hmm. They Mm -hmm. don't like to feel, especially if you have those personality types that really feel emotion, like me, mm-hmm. I don't feel it on the level other people do. Now, mm-hmm. as I'm uh, aging, which I should say very well, I, <laughs> I like that. <laughs> I am more in touch, you know, like you, and it's so funny, you always like when I was doing kettlebell training, you're like, nope. You're in your mind. You need to get. It. You need to feel the movement. I'm like, ah, I don't want to feel the, the movement. That's work. Um, yeah. So I'm definitely, you know, better at that. But when people feel emotion, if they feel disapproval from anyone, the typical response is to then go after the staff out of fear. And yeah. so you got to stop. You got to stop. You got to pull back and be like, okay, wait a minute. Let me actually think about what this person said. Is it a legitimate complaint that we as a team can work on? Or is this person talking out of ego and I'm about to go after my staff when they're actually doing a fantastic job? So that iceberg stuff begins with the leader. And then if the leader doesn't shift the culture they're creating, they might actually lose valuable people. Well, what you're describing is what actually happens, right? So that's just what happens when the, if the leader in any capacity is not able to demonstrate the leadership that is afforded them, those who are under their leadership take on the weight, the the intensity or whatever that is that the leader does not address, right? So if the leader displays some weakness, then their, their team, those people who are under that leader are going to experience it. And then they'll question it, right? Because they won't feel safe. And, and you will hear it um, because adults, a vote, uh, they vote with their feet, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's like, okay, this is this has been a good place, but I feel like I'm being bullied and bullied, and it's coming from an outside, and I don't feel like I'm being protected in this organization. And the next thing you know, they're across the street with another organization, yeah. right? Whose leader has a bit more minerals. Right. Yes. And they're able to they're able to say, hey, look, what we're talking about right now, they address what needs to be addressed so that their staff is not having to deal with energies that um, that they should not be dealing with. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And and so that's when we go to the leader again. And it's like, okay, who are you? What are you? 
right? Mm -hmm. They have to, you know, it's like we have to help deconstruct you because right now what you're living, what you're experiencing is what you're producing, right? Yeah. Your That's lack good, of leadership coach. is, yeah, yeah. Um, so, anyway. <laughs> okay, so I like that. And um, I, you know, I'm thinking back to the assessment that has been done since 1940 something, I believe the first time where, and I, I don't know if I've talked about it on this podcast before, but they um, had employees rate the 10 most important things for them in the workplace. And then they had the business owners rate what they thought the employees most important things were, were in the workplace. And the top three for employees was number one, appreciation. And then um, uh, consideration for personal matters. And then um, being in the know. The business owners had uh, salary, uh, a nice workplace, and um, vacation as the top three they thought their employees wanted. It's polar opposite. Appreciation can go a long way. And when you allow someone that's disruptive to your team cause you to not appreciate the work that's being done, they'll walk. Eventually, they, they are going to walk. Um, okay, so what I want to mm -hmm. do is I want to shift a little bit to the other side, and that's those that are on the receiving end of what we've been discussing, this negative disruption of culture, and they're, they're now in this situation um, that's very stressful. I mean, I've seen it on the faces. So this is where there's a lifestyle of forgiveness. Now, let me define forgiveness because when I used to do the clinics, the forgiveness clinics, people had um, incorrect ideas of what forgiveness is. They would, number one, think it's, you know, um, excusing or permitting wrong behavior. They would think an apology meant they had to forgive. They would think that they had to maintain or reconcile with someone that they had no mm -hmm. desire to or that, who was abusive. And so forgiveness is letting go from oneself. Uh, that's actually a Greek definition. And so what it means is that you recognize holding on to negative emotions towards someone and um, even offense, anger, bitterness. It's actually harmful to you as a person. The other person could care less. When mm -hmm. you have someone that is dysfunctional in how they relate to you, you mm -hmm. being offended and, and not forgiving um, actually hurts you. It doesn't hurt them. So that's the first thing. The second thing is that when you are walking in forgiveness, you let it go from yourself, meaning that you know you're doing a good job. And you know that you're a person of let's say integrity or mercy or excellence or whatever it is, whatever your core values are. And mm -hmm. if another person doesn't see that, then you have the power over your emotions and the power to make choices that are beneficial to you. So it's not ignoring, it's not excusing, it's not trusting a person immediately after there's been an offense because, you know, a, a, here's the thing. Apologies mean nothing. What means something is action that is taken to better the relationship and reconcile if there's mm -hmm. been a disruption in that. So you're 
your, I guess you could say forgiveness is an attitude and a mindset you carry while at the Mm -hmm. same time, you're very shrewd and wise in how you deal with people. So if we go back coach to that, um, where I was fussy over that line, remember I was ticked. And (laughs) so then I'm like, you are an enemy. Right. It was like, I immediately like, you're an enemy because you lied and you didn't just lie once you kept lying. So then coach popped my bubble and then I couldn't, you know, stay mad because that's what he does. And so now here, here's the, the situation. So I was able to let go from myself, the attitude that I had, I was able to enter into a working relationship that has improved even to the point where I forgot they lied one time. And then Mm -hmm. I now know, however, that that is what they do. So there's not a judgment anymore as far as against this person's value. There is a judgment in that, okay, that's what you do. I know that's what you do. Therefore, if it happens again, I'm not going to be surprised. I will know how to deal with it. And I have a proper boundary that protects my peace. So if Mm. you're stupid, I don't have to get stupid. Now, you Mm. push me too far, though, you may get a conversation. If you mess with my work, you may get a conversation. (laughs) (laughs) But what do you think about that, Coach? That definition of forgiveness, having that attitude, having that mindset. I am so curious what you have to say, Coach. Like I was telling you in the pre-show convo, I want to know what Coach thinks about forgiveness. Uh, well, that's a big word. Mm-hmm. That's a big word, because what I actually heard you say was when we went through the when we went through the situation that you described, the first thing we actually had to do was actually break down the the offending person. Right? Why is the other person offending? Why is the other person lying? Why is the other person doing these things? Um. Because we have to be able to see that part because it is, um, it's an error to think that we're not moving through motivation, whether you want to mm. call it love or whatever it is, right? Yeah. Something is motivating, something is sparking us. Okay. Now, <laughs> there's a lot in that phrase about being able to forgive someone. But I think the first thing is, it's like, okay, what has happened? Right. Yeah. You know, like what is happening? Because some some situations require almost like immediate responses or reactions, depending on what it is. Yep. Right. So I believe that it's a lot easier for us to practice the art of forgiving someone that may have offended us. The better we know ourselves. That's step number one. Coach, right? that's because- a bomb. That's a bomb, guys. Yeah. You need to hear it. Can you say yeah. that again, Coach? Yeah, that the to be able to forgive starts with having a knowledge of ourselves. I think that's the starting point. Yep. Because if we're weak in some areas and we're easily offended in these types of things, then you, forgiving is just hard to do because we're we're constantly trying to defend an ego. So we're always fighting against some perceived slight. Um, so one, knowing yourself, right? Mm-hmm. Who am I? What am I? That type of thing. And then the next question is, it's like, okay, what do you want to do about that? Right? Yeah. 
So I have, so I'll just speak personally here. Um, I was offended in the, in the course in, in, the, in the, by something a professor said in the course. Um, and I thought, how am I going to handle this? Right? And uh, so there's a lot going on, you know, dissertation, getting dissertation committees together and all of this kind of stuff. But something that the professor said in the classroom, I was like, no, that's uh, inappropriate. And so I sat on it for two days. Mm -hmm. On the second day, I was, uh, on the second day, I was a little bit heated, right? I could feel it. It's like, oh man, I'm angry right now. What is that? And I knew that for me, it's like, now I could sit down, I could write a letter and I could do all of that kind of stuff. But it's like, I have to address that. That's what my soul said. I have to address that. But as I was preparing, so I reached out to the professor and it's like, look, can we talk? I need to, you know. While I was going through that step, I was also processing what was happening within me. Like, what do I really want from this outcome, right? And, you know, am I really interested in being in a bitching session? Oops, excuse me. Can't use that language. <laughs> you can, yeah. Coach. Am I, I just really, <laughs> am I really interested in being in that type of a situation where I'm just, like, going back and forth? Or do I want to come from a calm place and say, hey, look, this is what's happening. And so we had the opportunity to speak. And I realized that when I was speaking to the professor, I was also tracking what was happening within me. And I knew what was happening within me was this. If I am rude, if I approach the professor the way I thought that she approached me, then there is no resolve possible in this situation. Right? I'm taking notes. So, so yeah, that's that self-awareness piece. So we start talking and then was like, look, and I took her through what was happening. And there was a moment where, you know, I could feel her feathers get kind of like ruffled because I could pick it up in her voice. But I was like, that's all right. This is not what I'm doing. So by the time we were done, right, I was like, look, let me just be clear about this. In this program, there's been a lot of things that I've learned and I've benefited from your presence. I like you a lot. Okay, so let me just be clear about that. But what I am saying is what you said in the class, maybe you may not have meant it, but you could go back and look at, listen to yourself on the tape, right? I said, this is what I'm saying. I just don't think that was appropriate, okay? And, you, and I think, you know, if you're not able to handle that, then maybe you might want to consider stepping away from the program, right? Now, I could write letters and do all of this other kind of stuff. <laughs> That's a D right there. <laughs> <laughs> I could write letters and do all of that, but it was like I didn't. And, you know, when, you know, and, you know, other cohorts like, oh, what are you going to do? I'm like, look, I'm not trying to pursue this. I'm not trying to make a, I'm not trying to make this case and a bit to do. Because what I've realized in my spirit, when I had the conversation with, Professor, that's all I needed to do. And while I was speaking, as I said to her, when I speak to you, I'm at the crossroads. And she knew what that meant, which means that not only am I testifying, but I'm also 
being evaluated. If my spirit in this conversation with you is not in a good place, if it's not in harmony, then I'm calling you was a mistake. It was an error because all I wanted to do was pick a fight. In this case, that's not what was in my spirit. What was in my spirit is like, look, this woman is a fantastic professor. Yeah. But she made a mistake. And I just had to just address it. But I'm not going to make this person my enemy. So after I said what I needed to say, I felt myself clear after that. And then I just kept moving on. And we're moving on through the course together, right? Now, the question is, do I need forgiveness or did I need to make sure that I, I took the action that was appropriate for myself to be whole in that moment while addressing whatever that circumstance was? Yeah. Right? And if somebody that I'm engaged with, if, if, if they're on the same level, then guess what? We're going to come away with an understanding. We may not be friends. We, none of that kind of stuff, but, but we will have an understanding that they will, from henceforth, they know how to treat me and I know how to treat them and they know where we are. I don't have any animosity. I can't speak to that person, but I know I'm not carrying anything. And that's how I approach this idea of forgiveness because you, you forgiveness is an action to me. And it starts with being aware of yourself, what you need and what's going on. Yeah. And then address it, address it appropriately. Mm -hmm. Right. And when you do that, then you can find out what your soul needs next. Yeah. That's how I approach it. That is the epitome of what I was trying to say. So by walking us through that process, coach, that's exactly what I'm saying. So it's like, it's not avoiding conflict or dealing with situations it's recognizing the other person, possible limitations, maybe even a resistance to change. But mm -hmm. you have the things that you need to say. You'll know what you need to do based on that person's response. So like Coach said, you know, I can work with people I don't necessarily like. Um, oh, yeah. And I will deal with things if I have to deal with them. I don't have any problem doing that. But mm -hmm. I am going to make sure that if the, the situation is to the point where it needs to be addressed or it's creating a situation where I cannot continue to work with an individual, I am going um, to do what is necessary to resolve that inability. So if it means um, we have a conversation, things go great after, fine. Or maybe we don't need a conversation. I just need to tell coach my problem on our podcast and he gets me all fixed up. Or <laughs> it could be I'm kicking rocks. I'm, I, I, don't, right. I don't have to stay in situations. And you know what's interesting, coach? Me and Kent were talking about um, he got an opportunity possibly to work with a candidate that he would love to work with. Mm. And um, he said, but you know what, mom? He said, I don't have to, like it would be mm -hmm. a great experience, but I don't have an agenda. I don't have to. And I said, Kent, that is the best place to be. It's like when you look at how I do business, how Papa did business, how I interact with people and organizations, 
I don't have to have it. Yeah. And I'm not yeah. easily impressed. And so it really does keep you like Teflon. Things don't stick. But when they do, like Coach Greg says, you need to know yourself because there's probably more going on. So this tracking yes. your internal world is a very mm-hmm. important part in walking that road of a forgiveness attitude. So what Coach described is exactly what um, I'm, I'm talking about here. Yeah. Yeah. It's just... It's important, you know, this, it's interesting because I was reading a Stanford um, business school study and they were talking about what was the number one trait of what we call today a regenerative leader. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and the number one answer was self-awareness, right? Because if you don't, don't have knowledge of yourself, then you just, you're really a bull in a china shop. And I don't mean one that's walking around in the China shop either. You're just destroying <laughs> you know, everything. You're just destroying everything. Relationships, and you don't understand why you your relationships are being destroyed, you know, in in return. You right? know what I just saw in that visual, Coach, is a bull <clears throat> wearing uh, high heels, carefully walking through a situation with a bunch of China around it very carefully, sometimes tiptoeing a little bit, sometimes a little bit more room, being careful of that tail and head, making sure it ain't flinging about, destroying stuff. Just think, put that picture in your head. That's what you need to be when it comes to (laughs) self-awareness. It's like you need to know, right? And that's, yeah, and that's really, I think what we teach ultimately is like you need to know. Yeah. Um, what you don't know hurts you. What you don't know about yourself hurts you, right? It becomes the window that um, people are looking in that you don't realize that they see you in that when that window. Yeah. Right. That's good. Yeah. I am. Um, I want to uh, end with this. Uh, so you know, the individual that I was discussing the situation with, and you know, I'm trying to be careful because I don't want to come off as trying to garner gossip. You know, confidentiality. Um, discretion, trust are very important to me. Um, but I, I was trying to be helpful in some way, especially recognizing that this must be hard, uh, for her as a leader. And this is what she texted me last night. She said, thank you for this afternoon. I like spending time with people who make me a better person. And you are one of those people. Mm -hmm. And that coach, that just, because that's, that's what our ultimate mission is, is again, leaving people better than when we found them and not saying there's any deficiency of their character or anything like that. But if we can make a person feel better, see better, uh, recognize their internal world and shift it for the better, <clears throat> making those positive changes, that is why we exist. That's the epitome of it. And uh, so... Yeah. We're excited. Um, I I know I am each week to get on here with Coach Greg. I know I get to catch up first. Unfortunately, you guys don't have that honor. Uh, and, you know, too bad. But you do get to <laughs> you get to come inside our conversations on particular topics. And so um, if you have one, the show notes um, has my email. Email me. We've got uh, two people lined up to actually do some work live on our podcast. So we'll be bringing that to you soon with dates so that you can join us. Um, 
And coach, do you have any final thoughts or words on our topic or anything that you want to share? No, I think that was actually, that was a wonderful topic. And I like the way you guided us through it. Um, you know, this is where we are right now. Know thyself, right? Yeah. Everything proceeds from there. Yeah. And I think there could be a lot more forgiveness, attitudes of forgiveness going on, uh, especially in our country. And I want to recommend that people, if they want to go deeper, um, to uh, look into the Forgiveness Institute by Dr. Enright. Uh, it's a fabulous institute. They actually study the power of forgiveness for both individual cities and nations. And they actually went to uh, Rwanda after that massacre that occurred all those years ago. And they were able to facilitate forgiveness in that region. Cause that was a very weird, unusual situation that occurred. And um, so they work internationally with nations and leaders to cultivate forgiveness. It's really good. They have an assessment you can take to see where you're at on your journey of forgiveness. Um, it's just a, a wonderful institute. So I'd encourage everyone to go to that. All right, coach. I think, I think we're good. I don't, I don't All right. Know. 